Good Tuesday morning. That's right, it is Tuesday. Many of you were off yesterday. Maybe feels like a Monday. We were here, though, yesterday. Kale and Company Live, WKXL, nhtalkradio.com. A delight to have you with us. And as always, we are presented by Northeast Delta Dental. Northeast Delta Dental has individual and family plans designed to fit your lifestyle. Learn more and find your plan at Delta Dental Covers Me.com. Uh, we are here solo uh, today. Andrew Gibson is behind the glass and uh, he is there. But beyond that, it's just you and me, folks. And if you would like to s- express your views, ideas, opinions on just about anything, give me a call. 603-224-1450. 603-224-1450. Andrew Gibson will answer the phone, put you on the radio, and uh, you can, uh, you know, just uh, talk to your heart's content and about any issue that might be uh, on your mind whether it be uh, a local issue, a national issue, uh, uh, something to do uh, with sports, entertainment, uh, anything, anything you would like to discuss. And we always uh, welcome first-time callers, 603-224-1450. Catherine McLaughlin in the uh, Concord Monitor today writes that uh, members of the public can learn more information and give input on Concord's plans to potentially build a bridge park over the interstate at a meeting and listening session, uh, which will take place tonight in the Concord City Council Chambers. That's at uh, 37 Green Street in Concord. Now, last summer, Concord City Councilors approved a $200,000 feasibility study for creating a park spanning over the interstate to connect downtown with the riverfront. The study is uh, developing designs for what the bridge could look like and how it would connect to Store Street and Loudon Road, as well as preliminary costs. The project would be in conjunction with the uh, New Hampshire State Department of Transportation's vision to widen the interstate in Concord. At a meeting in council chambers Tuesday evening, the firm performing the study will give a presentation on its work, and members of the public will be able to share their thoughts and develop suggestions in small breakout groups. City previously explored the concept of a bridge park in 2006. Now, at that time, a similar study concluded that a bridge park would not be feasible. But with the state's plans to widen I-93 changing form and inching forward, the idea was revived last year. Now, the city's downtown has been separated from the river by the railroad since before the interstate was built. Proponents on the council last year of uh, reopening the conversation said that the highway construction window presented a key opportunity to rejoin the two improve public access to the riverfront, and draw more visitors to the city. Now, the meeting will take place tonight in the council chambers. If you would like to weigh in there, I'm sure 
that there will be a good turnout tonight for uh, that event at the city council chambers, talking about uh, uh, a bridge that would uh, connect Store Street, uh, connect to Store Street and Loudon Road and give people better access to the Merrimack Riverfront. What are your thoughts? Is that a good way to spend money? Uh, will it be good for the economy? Uh, will it uh, up your taxes? Would there be better use for the money? What are your thoughts? 603-224-1450 is the number to call. It's always good to uh, try and improve commerce, whether it be on Loudon Road, whether it be on uh, Main Street, whether it be on Store Street, or any place within the capital city or throughout the state of New Hampshire, for that matter. Uh, but uh, they're working on ways uh, in an effort uh, to do that. Uh, Anne-Marie Timmons, writing for the uh, New Hampshire Bulletin uh, in today's Concord Monitor, uh, states in the four years, it's been four years, folks, since New Hampshire legalized sports gaming, sports betting, and teamed up with DraftKings, the partnership has contributed $100 million to public education, according to the New Hampshire Lottery. It's one of several games run by the lottery that contributes to the Education Trust Fund. Now, according to the executive director of the New Hampshire Lottery, Charlie McIntyre, and I quote here, we are extremely proud of the work we have done to establish New Hampshire as the premier destination for sports betting in the Northeast. We encourage our New Hampshire players to continue placing responsible bets, and we are excited for many more years of winning big, according to uh, Charlie McIntyre in a statement that uh, was released the other day. Uh, state revenues across all games, including instant scratch tickets, Keno, and historic horse racing, generated an increase of $43 million, or 29.3% last year, to the Education Trust Fund, according to the lottery's annual report. Sports betting is among the lottery's newest games, opening its first retail sports book at the Brook in Seabrook, followed by Filatimo in Manchester and Dover, and the Gate City Casino in Nashua. Now, in the four years, in the four years since the launch of sports betting, New Hampshire players have wagered more than two point seven one billion, with a B, more than two point seven one billion dollars, according to the lottery. And I will. <laughs> I was going to say, I'll bet. I would uh, venture to say, folks, that uh, a lot of that money, a lot of that money is coming from out-of-state uh, gamblers. $2.71 billion. So there you go, over the last four years. And uh, a lot of it has been done uh, at uh, the aforementioned The Brook in Seabrook, which at one time was uh, Seabrook Greyhound Park. 
If you go to the brook and see brook, you can still see the old infield of the dog track and the tote board from the old Seabrook dog track. It's funny, I was uh, watching recently an old episode of To Tell the Truth. I mean, an episode from the 60s. And it featured, it featured Ed Powers, who was the first chairman of the lottery in New Hampshire. When New Hampshire established the first sweepstakes in the country, based on the outcome of a horse race at Rockingham Park in Salem. And New Hampshire was the, the first state in the Union to have a sweepstakes. So we were a, um, a, a forerunner of, of gaming uh, in the country. Now, I mean, at the same time, there were uh, casinos in Las Vegas and other parts of Nevada, but uh, maybe maybe Atlantic City joined in the fray uh, a little while later. But the first sweepstakes in the country was right here in the 60s. I think it was 63, 64, I think Governor King signed it into law in 63, and I think the first sweepstakes uh, was in 1964 uh, here in New Hampshire when Rockingham Park was thriving, and horse racing itself uh, was uh, thriving uh, throughout the country. And, you know, it's a shame to see uh, that, uh, you know, there is no longer uh, thoroughbred racing at any number of tracks that uh, there used to be. Many have shut down. But, uh, you know, many are beginning to revitalize due to, you know, the, the wagering that you can do. In the comfort of your home, you can just sit there and you can watch TVG or other similar networks all day. Sit there with your phone, watch the horse races, and, uh, and wager on them. And that, that's been going on for quite some time. And uh, the off-track betting parlors that, uh, that they have, uh, whether it be uh, in New Hampshire uh, or in Connecticut uh, or any number of places uh, around the country, uh, they are they are thriving as well. So horse racing, as a result, uh, is uh, making a comeback slowly, but surely. And we should get our good friend uh, Lynn Sneerson, who is a uh, horse racing uh, expert. Uh, Lynn knows everything there is about horse racing and uh, has been covering the horse racing scene for many years. Uh, she doesn't, and Lynn does not gamble. She does not gamble. She has never bet on a race. She loves the horses. She loves to handicap them, knows everything about them, but she does not gamble. So we'll get Lynn uh, back uh, on the show and, and talk about the state of horse racing because it used to be very vital to our economy here in New Hampshire with uh, Rockingham Park and other racing venues, not necessarily thoroughbred horses, but, but dogs and trotters. Uh, throughout the state of uh, New Hampshire, this was before, you know, all the uh, all the stuff you could do on your phone or in person. Now, at uh, I believe the 14 casinos that are distributed throughout the state of New Hampshire. Uh, we'll take a break. 
Kale and Company continues right here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com. Hey, if you want to chime in, 603-224-1450. We will continue right after these words on a Tuesday morning, so stay with us. Kale and Company live here on WKXL NHTalkRadio.com. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday. What a hockey game there was last night on the Manchester Goffstown line at St. Anselm College, Sullivan Arena. Concord High Crimson Tide going to 14-1-1 last night thanks to a one to nothing victory over Bedford at the uh, Sullivan Arena. Uh, the only goal of the game came with two minutes and 49 seconds left in the third period. Dawson Fancher and Carter Doherty set up Trevor Craig for what proved to be the game-winning goal for Dunk Walsh's Crimson Tide. Lucas Mayer recorded his third shutout of the season, second against Bedford uh, in goal for the Crimson Tide. The Tide outshot Bedford last night 51 to 15. Concord dominated the game. Most of the action last night uh, took place in the Bedford zone. And the, uh, the Bedford goalie, Tristan Kerr, stood on his head. I mean, he played a remarkable game. He really did. Uh, the game was not as close as the final score would indicate, thanks to him, uh, because he made 50 saves uh, on the night and was terrific between the pipes. But uh, Concord ultimately prevailed one to nothing, and the Crimson Tide will be uh, back in action uh, tomorrow night on the road against Keene. Place they haven't played in uh, quite some time. And the face-off time will be at 625 tomorrow night at the Keene Ice Center, which I hope I'm able to find. Uh, at the uh, TD Garden yesterday, Bruins got back in the victory column. They uh, defeated the Dallas Stars 4-3. to Charlie McAvoy. Scored in the ninth round of the shootout to win it for the Bees. Who got a game-tying goal from David Pasternak late in the third period to tie the game at three. It was Pasta's 35th goal of the year. Bees will uh, be at Edmonton tomorrow night to begin a, uh, a Canadian swing. We have another TD Garden-related story uh, coming up uh, shortly today. Uh, boys basketball Monday, Pembroke Academy now 15 and two under head coach Mike Donnell as they beat uh, Cole Brown 65 to 47. Girls hoops it was Cole Brown uh, Northwood over Pembroke 52 49. John Stark beat Sanborn 58 to 42, and the uh, delayed Daytona 500 was run on uh, Monday late afternoon into the evening, and William Byron won the race under caution. There was a huge, huge crash with eight laps to go. I don't believe anybody was injured, or at least seriously. That crash involved 23 cars. Caused a red flag that uh, lasted more than 15 minutes. And after that was cleared up, 
there was a an accident and uh, a caution flag on the final lap of the race, and uh, William Byron won it under caution to open the 2024 NASCAR Cup Series. And uh, always excited. And of course, uh, the, the race in New Hampshire this year is going to be in June. The NASCAR uh, Cup race at New Hampshire Motor Speedway will be held in June, which is a change. Uh, you know, one time we had two NASCAR races uh, in July and in September. Uh, there's only one now, but it's going to be in June. I think that's great before it gets too hot to sit on those metal bleachers outside. So, uh, June will be the date for this year's NASCAR Cup race, and uh, I'll give you the specific date as we as we approach, and we'll talk more about that. There's another uh, state house bill regarding cannabis legalization in the state of New Hampshire. The House of Representatives has a new bill that would allow commercial sales at 15 state licensed retail stores. That's the maximum number of storefronts, storefronts that uh, Governor Sununu has said that he is willing to approve. Governor wants a franchise model for sales overseen by the state. And the House licensee model in this bill has uh, similarities, but it's a little bit different. Uh, according to uh, Tim Egan of the uh, New Hampshire Cannabis Commission, he said there are independent owners of these dispensaries. They are regulated like any other state by a commission, maybe more so in New Hampshire because the Liquor Commission and the governor wants to control advertising and they want to control pricing somewhat, according to Mr. Egan. Some state senators seen as swing votes on legalization have said they don't like the proposed changes made by the House. There are also concerns from lawmakers and legalization advocates about the fate of current therapeutic cannabis patients who still want to go to existing alternative treatment centers rather than become a regular customer of a retail shop. Uh, Matt Simon of uh, Granite Leaf Cannabis said, my concern is about... Uh, a year after adult use, stores are open that all of the ATC medical-only dispens dispensaries will shut down or we expect you to continue operating them after they become money losers? I don't think so, uh, according to uh, Matt Simon. Many are poised to enter the business of cannabis if legalization happens. They say something lawmakers need to remember is that uh, granted staters who want cannabis are already visiting neighboring states to purchase it legally. Now, Jim Riddle is a USDA-licensed hemp farmer. He said, we ship our dollars out of state because there's certainly plenty of it here. It's being consumed, and people like it. Well, some people, anyway. But everybody's within an hour of somewhere they can get it. And so we lose our dollars. People live in fear, and then we're not capturing any taxes, according to Mr. Riddle. So there you go. It's still out there, folks. The uh, marijuana legalization plan. Uh, 
And uh, I know everybody has some kind of a, a view on it, uh, whether it be a pro or con. If you'd like to uh, chime in on the conversation, feel free to give us a call, 603-224-1450 is the number to call, 603-224-1450. Give us a call if you'd like to talk about that. If you'd like to talk about the expanding uh, gambling scene in the state of New Hampshire, 14, 15 casinos out there right now and uh, maybe growing. Who knows? Who knows? We'll find out. After all, New Hampshire for many years (laughs) thrived on uh, revenues they derived and, and still do from the sale of alcohol, the sale of tobacco, and the sale of uh, lottery tickets. That's expanded to uh, to more gaming here in the state of New Hampshire. I don't know if we can still be called the syntax capital of the country, but we're still right up there. We're still right up there, despite the fact that the casino, which should be in uh, Salem, New Hampshire right now, was botched by our legislature a number of years ago. Should be there, should be standing, should be the biggest casino in New England, but we blew it. We blew it. We'll take a break. Kale and Company continues right here, WKXL. NHTalkRadio.com presented by Northeast Delta Dental. We'll be right back. Kale and Company live here on WKXL, NHTalkRadio.com. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday morning presented by Northeast Delta Dental. You know, it's so funny how uh, policies are so different for various places. And I'm, I'm speaking about a big controversy that arose over the weekend uh, in Boston regarding bag policies. At the TD Garden, home of the Celtics and Bruins, of course, facing backlash over the holiday weekend as its new bag policy went into effect. The policy began Saturday when the Bruins hosted the Los Angeles Kings and it barred fans from bringing in bags larger than six inches by four inches by one and a half inches into the arena. All backpacks are also banned from the arena. I think they were in the past anyway. That's nothing new. A uh, bag purchased at the uh, Bruins and Celtics Pro Shop is permitted, but also subject to a search. The arena reminded fans about the policy on Sunday, uh, saying that effective February 17th, new Uh, Technology security screening will be implemented at TD Garden. The arena arena posted on its X, formerly known as Twitter account, to ensure a swifter entry process. We strongly discourage guests from bringing bags, period. Bags larger than six by four by one and a half inches will not be permitted. 
a Bruins writer, uh, Ty Anderson, posted about the mass confusion from Saturday's game about the new rules. The uh, Boston Herald noted, walking into the arena yesterday, this caused a massive issue. Anderson wrote on X, multiple ushers telling people they couldn't even bring the yes types in. Whatever that means. I'm not sure about that. A lot of angry people being told they could check their bag, they could check their bag if, if they desire. If they want to get uh, into the game or event, they could check their bag for an extra $15. Female hockey fans and NHL media alike pointed out the bag restrictions have a big impact on women. Uh, Kendra Middleton, who's a, uh, a local media type in Boston, said, if you see me walking around uh, TD Garden uh, <laughs> with a big bag, uh, well, yeah, we, we won't go into what she actually, actually said. But uh, she said, I'm sorry, but it's ridiculous. What's happening with stuff like this? Isn't it discrimination? Uh, wrote another reporter uh, in Boston. It says, uh, and Nesson host Meredith Gorman wrote, that's insane. At least let people use clear bags. TD Garden didn't immediately respond to uh, Fox News Digital's request for comment. The technology company uh, that they're employing now at the Garden describes itself as the leading security technology company pioneering AI-based weapon screening to create safer experiences. The company says its screening technology has been used in theme parks, sports stadiums, performing arts centers, casinos, schools, hospitals, and places of worship. TD Garden is uh, committed to providing a best-in-class experience for our guests, and safety and security is paramount. The uh, new innovative technology allows us to do just that, while also streamlining the entry process and minimizing wait times. So, there you go. Just, you know, I, I don't know why it's such a... I mean, men, generally speaking, I mean, this, this impacts, let's face it, not to be sexist, but this does impact women more than it does men. I mean, generally speaking... Uh, men don't bring bags into sporting events or backpacks. I mean, you haven't been able to do that in a long time. I mean, pretty much since 9-11, you haven't been able to bring a backpack into most, most facilities where a lot of people are gathered, whether it be, uh, you know, a, a theater, a sporting event. Uh, you name it, whatever it might be, uh, that that's been frowned upon and and uh, stopped uh, on a pretty regular basis. At most places, not everywhere, but most places, you can't bring in a backpack. And now, the size of the bag you can bring in has been severely limited for women. I mean, most men. Don't bring in a bag, period. Okay? They put their, have their keys in their pocket. They have their wallet in their pocket. They have their cell phone in their pocket. 
And that's about it. That's all you need, right? Keys, wallet, cell phone, maybe a little chewing gum, uh, whatever. Uh, women have to uh, carry more accessories around with them. Or at least they want to carry more accessories around with them, whether they have to or not. That's another story. But I know uh, security has been tight for years. For example, at the uh, Bank of uh, uh, New Hampshire Pavilion in, in Guilford, they uh, allow only the, the smallest of bags uh, to get in there. And uh, that's been true for any number of years now. Security has been very, very tight there for years and years. And I'm not knocking that, not knocking it at all. I mean, for some women, it's an inconvenience, I'm sure. However, that being said, the direct opposite is true at any, virtually any, NASCAR track, including New Hampshire Motor Speedway, where you can bring in just about anything. Just about anything. Uh, it's, uh, you know, you can bring in your own alcohol. You can bring in coolers up to a certain size. And backpacks are allowed as well. Very few limitations. And very few incidents. Over the years. I mean, it varies from place to place what you can bring in and what you can't bring in. So the best thing to do, and I have done this, uh, not for myself, but for uh, companions uh, that I have been with, you got to check first what that particular venue will allow you to bring in and, you know, what they won't allow you to bring in. You just have to do that now. Uh, but I, I can generally say that if you go to a NASCAR race, no matter where it is in this country, you can bring in just about anything you want. But not true of most other facilities that, uh, that we visit. So there you go. Just a word to the wise. Don't be surprised that, uh, you, know, you know, surveillance is stricter than ever. At most places, and, you know, they have good reason for it. Uh, and uh, just check it out. And don't be caught by surprise. Don't have to, you know, you don't want to be in a position where you have to check your bag for an additional fee. Just be prepared, right? Uh, truck drivers, by the way, who support former President Donald Trump, have voiced that they won't be driving to New York City to underscore their disappointment with the civil fraud judgment that fined Mr. Trump more than $350 million. On February 16th, Judge Arthur Engeron ruled that Mr. Trump, his two sons, Trump Organization Associates, and Trump Properties were liable for tens of millions of dollars. While Mr. Trump and his companies and his trust were ordered to pay over $350 million plus interest. His sons were also ordered to pay roughly $4 million. Many truck drivers across the country have seemingly taken issue with the ruling, and many of them say that they will not 
be driving their truck into New York City as a result of the uh, Trump ruling uh, last week, which is going to ultimately cost him, when it's all said and done, over $400 million for what most people see. If you want to be realistic about it, most people see as a victimless, victimless crime. He overestimated, willingly or not, the value of his properties in order to gain loans. Well, we'll see how it all plays out, but a lot of truckers are not going to the the Big Apple, at least for the short term. We will uh, take a break. Kale and Company continues right here. WKXLNHTalkRadio.com. We are presented by... Northeast Delta Dental, and we will be right back. We have returned, folks, here at WKXL and HTalkRadio.com. Still time to give us a quick call, 603-224-1450, if there's something you'd uh, like to discuss. Views, ideas, opinions, always welcome here on uh, Kale and Company. Hey, Madonna is on tour. You probably knew that. She was in Boston not too long ago. Uh, she took a tumble during her Seattle show on Sunday night. During a performance of Open Your Heart, one of her big songs, the pop icon, who is now 56, awkwardly fell off a chair on stage, after beginning to sing the song, one of Madonna's backup dancers began to drag the chair. The dancer only made it a few feet before losing their footing and falling to the floor with Madonna. In the video of the accident, Madonna is seen laughing off the fall before rolling off the chair with a smile. Now, I have to ask our producer, Andrew Gibson, who is a, uh, a, a veteran of uh, performances on stage. Have you ever had uh, a, an incident that was, you know, somewhat I- embarrassing, uh, Andrew, or, you know, not necessarily in the script? Uh, yeah, a few times. A few times it's happened to you? Um, I've been in shows where things have been accidentally thrown at me. Uh, now by, by the cast or the audience? By the cast. Okay. By the cast. (laughs) Um, and I've, I've tripped and fall, fallen a couple of times. Yeah. And you just have to go on, right? Yep. You just roll it off and you keep going. It's all you can do, right? Yep. You can't go back. You can't change it. Uh, following the fall, uh, Madonna got back up and approached the chair. She sat down and was seemingly, uh discombobulated from the fall because she was facing the wrong way and then appeared to forget the lyrics. Once she realized, she said, blank, (laughs) I forgot the words. She didn't say blank. She said another word, but can't say it here. Uh, She turned around and a backup dancer approached her with another chair and the performance got right back into routine. The Material Girl singer currently on the Celebration Tour. This is not a first time there's been a mishap uh, at one of Madonna's shows since the tour's debut in October. Uh, During a stop in December in Washington, D.C., 
one of Madonna's dancers approached Santa Claus, approached Santa Claus, mind you, to perform a lap dance (laughs) when things took a turn. Once the female dancer got on top of uh, Santa Claus, both the dancer and Santa took a fall forward. Uh, Madonna was nearby when the fall occurred, and she checked in on the jolly man, handing him back his red hat. In the video, it seems Santa was judging the backup dancers' performances and was holding judging cards during Madonna's set. The dancer involved in the fall didn't miss a beat. She got right back up and continued her performance while Santa gathered his belongings scattered across the stage. Uh, During the singer's stop at Barclays Center uh, that same month, that's in Brooklyn, uh, Madonna revealed she was put into a a medically induced coma while hospitalized over the summer. So at any rate, uh, it goes on, but Madonna's tour will continue. She's on the road again, folks. How about the Democratic National Committee. They raised some eyebrows on social media on Monday, President's Day, after posting a picture of all the living Democrat presidents, but omitting 99-year-old Jimmy Carter. They forgot to include Jimmy Carter in the post that they put up, the DNC, with a propensity for botching things. The post, which has now been deleted, by the way, showed a picture of former President Clinton, former President Obama, and uh, President Biden with the caption, Happy President's Day. Former President Carter, who recently surpassed the one-year mark in hospice care, uh, was not included. The DNC did not immediately respond to a request for comment from Fox News Digital. 39th president, who turned 99 in October, entered hospice care on February the 18th, 2023. Carter Center said America's longest living president would spend his remaining time at his Georgia home in hospice care instead of continuing cancer treatments. After a series of short hospital stays, former U.S. President Jimmy Carter today decided to spend his remaining time at home with his family and receive hospice care instead of additional medical intervention, the center said at the time. He has the full support of his family and his medical team. The Carter family asks for privacy during this time and is grateful for the concern shown by many of his admirers. On Saturday, this past Saturday, his family told USA Today in a statement about the 99-year-old, the Carter family is grateful for the many expressions of love they have received and the continued respect for their privacy during this time. Family is pleased that his decision last year to enter hospice care has sparked so many family discussions across the country on an important subject. But how about that? He was omitted from the picture 
of uh, current living presidents, which was uh, sent out yesterday by the Democratic National Committee. How about that? <laughs> they, they botched something else. Continue to do it. Well, the, the Red Sox and Yankees have uh, carried hatred, hatred toward one another over the years. The rivalry right now is not as bitter as it, as it once was, mostly because the Red Sox have not played well in, in recent years, which we all know. Uh, one former Yankee in particular has a nasty history with the Red Sox. All of Red Sox nation likely has a negative memory associated with Alex Rodriguez during his time in a Yankee uniform. Hard to forget the brawl that he started with uh, Red Sox catcher Jason Veritek. However, however, that being said, one of A-Rod's family members could find themselves in the good graces of Boston fans. According to the Red Sox minor league transaction log, Boston has signed an infielder. And he is the nephew. He is the nephew of Alex Rodriguez. His name is Joe Donand. It's D-U-N-A-N-D. Joe Donand. And he was signed to a minor league deal by the Red Sox on January the 31st. 28-year-old who made his major league debut in 1922. Uh, no. <laughs> 2022. Not 1922. 2022 with the Miami Marlins. It wasn't a very long stint with Miami in 2022, though. He was 3-for-10 at the plate over that time with a home run. And he spent the 2023 season in the Atlanta Braves system posting a 268 batting average, including... 17 home runs with the Gwinnett Stripers, which is the AAA affiliate of the Atlanta Braves. But now, remember this name, folks, Joe Dunand, D-U-N-A-N-D. He's in the Red Sox organization, and he is expected uh, to be assigned to Worcester, AAA Worcester, and uh, will likely spend most of his 2024 season in Worcester, and he offers the Red Sox an infield option if it needs, uh, you know, somebody called up from the minor leagues uh, due to injury or other extending circumstances. But uh, the Red Sox would like to see him increase his walk rate, and that, that means getting more walks and cutting down on his strikeouts before he's uh, called up to the big leagues. So uh, there you go. And, and of course, uh, a lot of people forget about the fact or didn't even know that uh, Alex Rodriguez was once a member, or at least for a short time, of the Red Sox. Never donned a uniform. Uh, there was a, a trade that was consummated in 2004, but the deal was axed by the Major League Baseball Players Association due to contract changes and a lower salary for A-Rod. A-Rod was willing to take a pay cut to join the Red Sox in 2004, but the Players Association said, no, no, A-Rod, you can't do that. Uh, they feared this uh, would set a bad precedent for other players 
across the league. So A-Rod never donned the uniform of the Boston Red Sox, even though there was a major trade that was consummated in 2004. All right, that'll wrap it up for this edition of uh, Kale and Company, uh, a potpourri edition where we touched many bases for the last hour. Hope you enjoyed it. If you did, tell a friend. If not, don't say anything at all. And remember, folks, to always look on the bright side of life. We're presented by Northeast Delta Dental, and we wish you a very happy Tuesday, everybody. Thank you.